Hi, podcasting from New York. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries. Most of today's commentary on complex social issues is binary, unproductive, and flat-out lazy. With this podcast, I'm looking to hopefully elevate these conversations, and as a lifelong educator, hopefully learn a few things along with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Picture this. The New York City Public Library. Walking in. Those two solid wooden doors. Information desk. Two women. Super quiet. Books separated in categories. On shelves. Floors. Shelves, books. Dust. Paper. Smell of paper. Xerox, ink, scribbling, typing. Hardwood floors, tiled floors, scraping of chairs, hardwood tables, magazines, flipping through pages. The public library, card catalog, yellow paper slots, with dates of when the books were taken out and returned. I got a library card, white laminated, photo, barcode. Before that, laminated with the paper and a photo shot laminated on that card. I'm in the library, a place of congregation, people moving about, sitting with purpose in different segments of the library, focused, heads down, eyes on paper, reading, intent. What's my purpose here? As I walk through the library, there are Options of CDs, DVDs, and at one time, VHS tapes, etc., etc., in the library. The library was my Netflix. It was where we got tapes. We couldn't get mixtapes there, but if we wanted some music, if we wanted an album, we can get it from the library for free. Whether it was a CD, whether, whether it was a cassette tape, We had our Netflix there. When we talk about Amazon borrowing books, it was in the library. Book sharing was in the library. Our digital sharing was physical sharing. I went to the library and I would ask for a certain book. And if that book wasn't there, say I wanted a Stephen King book, The Dark Tower, and I would go in there and ask for that book, That book is still out. It won't be back until October 31st. 
similar to Amazon in their digital book sharing program. In that time, your membership was free. Today, if you want to join any book club online, there's a monthly fee. When I walked into the library, I had to have a conversation with the clerk about what I wanted to borrow. There was a conversation. They had to size me up and, and get me to articulate what my interests were and then point me in a direction of the library that I could find those interests. Sky was a limit in terms of information, what I wanted, where I wanted, how I wanted it. Now, depending on what I chose and picked, censorship was involved with that product. However, censorship was based on my interest and what I was, what I was looking for. So therefore, I could go around censorship of certain material and find alternative material to give me varying perspectives based on choice, freedom of choice and free of freedom of movement. Once I found what I was looking for, it was tangible, it was in my hand, there was a reference, there was a name on it, I knew who it belonged to, the book was certified, it was valued, it was uh, validated as being official, in pocket, in hand, my choice on my chair, sitting back, feet out. This is the book that I've selected. Whether it was a newspaper or a magazine, whether it was Sports Illustrated, a Vibe magazine, or the source, those were the materials that I looked for and engaged. Open-ended. When we got in the subway, there was a magazine stand the unofficial library in the subway. Full of novels, magazines, all kinds of resources that you could engage depending on what kind of information you wanted. There was no profiling. It was the man stepping to the magazine stand, casing it, absorbing what the information was, looking at headlines, making decisions based on what was catchy, picking up the product, moving along. If the choice, if, it, if the magazine didn't work out, you read a couple of pages and tossed it in the trash can or you left it on the, on the subway seat so that someone else could read it, getting on the train or getting off the train. Pass, pass. That was how information was once shared. That's how we received information. That was the text. When I was brought to the library, there was no direction. There was no one saying, go in this way, go that way. It was an open forum. And at times I was overwhelmed and lost by the information and what they provided. Sometimes I would go to the library not to read a book, but just to be amongst the information and be amongst that knowledge and just take a nap. It was like as if the library would be absorbed through my body because I was in the space. All that knowledge would be absorbed in my body just by being in it because there was so much knowledge. This was a place that had unknown, unlimited wealth of resource, unlimited potential in terms of knowledge base. It was our library. The censorship was in our own individual selection of material. 
although everything was available in front of us. Nothing was being decided for us, we were deciding it for ourselves. Although censorship did exist in your daily newspaper and daily forms of information that was coming from newsprint through your magazine stands, in the library, there were artifacts from various authors throughout history and throughout our lives that existed on those shelves that we could self-select into. Now that people are moving away from going to libraries, they're becoming extinct. When was the last time you went to the library? When was the last time you borrowed a book? Do you have a library card? Do you know what the libraries look like today versus when you last were there? I mean, I don't. When was the last time you heard of, you held a physical book in your hand? Other than, I mean, I, I'm not talking about if you're going for higher education. I'm not talking about if you're in high school. I'm not talking about if you have an assignment to do. I'm talking about based on choice. When was the last time you picked up a physical novel, a physical text? When was the last time you read for joy? Based on a physical property of a text. Most of our time was spending reading print online to our phones. Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, short text. An article that comes through the New York Times or comes through various mediums that come through our phones through alerts and notifications. These notifications are self-selecting text that, we th that they think is important for us to read. Our choices are made for us in that we select apps and then we activate those notifications and then they send us articles that they think we would like. What about movie selections? I remember Blockbuster. I remember the original Netflix when you had to go to a kiosk and you had to, you looked in a machine like it was like a soda machine, a, a bag of chips, and you had to select movies or genres that you wanted, and then it would go through different categories, and you would select out of the category, and you would pick a movie that way, and they would mail it to your house, or you would go on with the early days of online, they would, you would go online, and you would pick a movie, and mail it to your house, you had it for like a week, and then you had to drop it in the mailbox so that someone else could use it. And every time you, your membership was based on, you got as many movies as, 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 you got as many movies that you can get when you return them. So if you watch two, three movies a week, you could dump three movies in the mail and give you three movies back. The only, the only, the only uh, lag in that system was the mail. So, you know, it depends on the mailman. If, the, if it takes three days for you to film to get there, it's going to take three days for the mail to get back to you. So you're talking about an exchange of six days to get your three movies. So you had to time it so that you had your movies for the weekends. You know, if you got to get your date and you got to get your Netflix and chill, you know, that came in through the mail. Again, that was choice. Self-selecting. And then what you did was early in the days of Netflix, you would create like a, a, a bucket or a choice list of all of the movies you wanted to see. You just put them on a list. And so you would you would create this list and then as you return films, they would just pull from the list and mail those to you. And so you, you kind of self-selected or you censored what you wanted to see. 
and they would send those selections to you through the mail as you return, you watch, you return, you watch, you return, and then you could rate them if you wanted to. That was the earliest system of the evolution of physical print to digital print, a digital media. Blockbuster, you walked into a facility and there were movies all around the room. And what was great about Blockbuster is they, you know, they had movies that had no ranking. But then they had movies that said, listen, everybody seemed to like this movie. This one got an award. This one is most popular. And they gave you these titles and you walked around the room like a museum. And you would select these movies and you knew it was popular because often when you went into the movie, into Blockbuster, you would look at the, uh, the shelves and those movies would be gone. And so there was a real sense of what was really popular and what was being reviewed without seeing any print or any uh, uh, feedback from anyone. You just saw the shelves and if there were no movies there, you knew that was a popular film that you needed to see. But then there were the shelves. You would walk through the aisles and you would randomly pick movies. There was no censoring. The movies were all over the room. It was a gamble. You picked a movie. You walked away. You tried it. If it didn't work, you returned it. You watched 15 minutes, said, this is not going to work. I'm going to return this movie. That was Blockbuster. Your censorship existed in yourself. Now, in those movies, they were censored because they were censored based on ratings, right? And so we know that certain things are rated R. Certain, certain, uh, they were rated uh, PG-13. They were rated PG, etc., G. So that was also available in uh, a Blockbuster or even on a, a Netflix kiosk as options or if you went to the public library they were segmented seg uh, segmented that way too so those were those were how that's how we saw censorship and at that time if you know if you didn't qualify for the age of the film it was like buying cigarettes right if you didn't get the age you couldn't buy the cigarettes so you had to have somebody go in there and get the movie for you and that's how you were able to watch above your age level All of these were opportunities for individuals to self-select into what they wanted to. Now let's take the public library today. The public library today is online, right? So it's either you have access to your school's library, a college's library, like Columbia uh, Journalism, Journalism, Journalism Review, or you have EBSCO, or you have various other libraries that are online. Now, the difference with libraries that are online now, with your public, public, public library online, is that you only have access to those if you belong to a collegiate institution. They give you access because that comes with your tuition. But if you're not part of a collegiate institution, then you have to subscribe to a library online. But now we know that historically, public libraries were meant to be free. So the wealthiest of the wealthiest in this country put their monies back into um, public services like libraries and museums and, and parks in order to raise the level of the people around them so that everyone could receive and potentially have exposure to education. That is the purpose of those institutions, our public spaces. Now that libraries have gone to the digital format, 
it's becoming a little more difficult. Now they have the public library now is online. It is online and it is an opportunity for you to engage that way. Um, and they're getting into a place where you can almost find anything online that they have in a physical facility. So that is happening and, and it's also getting to a place where you can actually, you can, you, you know, the, the text that you can borrow from the library is free. You just have to have a library card and you can get that uh, delivered to your platform, iPod, iPhone, computer through the public library. The problem with the public library is that because people knew it as a, as a physical institution, people are not making a connection to it being a digital institution too. That it has, that it is making a transformation or evolution to that format too. People have substituted the public library for the internet. So the internet has become the public library for us today. You know, we don't want to go through the structures of registering our name uh, through a public library format or putting our ID card or, 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 or scanning our barcode. We don't want to do that today. What we want to do is we want to put the name in a search bar and we want to get the product. Instant gratification. So the public library hasn't evolved to the point that it is instant. It's still a process to reserve a book, to get material, to get information, and people don't have the patience all the time to do that. So, therefore, we have Google search. The difference between the public library and Google search is that when you walked into the public library, in the past, you walked into an open lab. You walked into an open space with a plethora of materials that were available to you based on choice and interest at the moment. But nowadays, with using Google search as our public library, we have to be careful because Google search is censoring what we have available to us in that public space. Because Google search is developing an algorithm that begins to, to shape you and identify your interests and they begin to only sell you the things or show you the things that they, the algorithm says you're interested in. So in that, you be, it, be, it begins to narrow and constrict Your, your opportunities for new information. So all of a sudden, you don't have the depth of knowledge available to you. You have specific knowledge available to you, but not all knowledge is available to you. It's actually limited now. Now, evidence of that is when you know you, you buy something on on Google, and you know through maybe you say you buy something through Models, and you got you get a you get a T-shirt, an orange T-shirt that has a specific logo on it you notice that the next day they're selling you a variation of that same t-shirt. If you bought a pair of shoes that looked like a certain color and they were made a certain way, you have several companies with that same product offering you that material the next day. Now, that, for me, that was a one-day thing. That doesn't mean for the rest of my life I'm interested in that product. Nor do I want you really um, advertising to me in that way when I'm trying to go into the internet as a new person every time that I enter it so that the information available to me is open and that I get new information and I can have an opportunity to continue to learn and grow from other people that may think differently from me. So you don't put me in a box and then start to close off my potential because you think you know me and you've built an algorithm for me as an individual. No, I want to know what somebody knows across the country. I want to know what somebody knows in another country. I want to know what somebody knows 
in a different region of the world. I want to be available. I want that information to be available to me if I choose to engage it. Now, this is where the public library differs from your Google search. When we go online and the algorithms are, algorithms are created for you, the algorithms are created based on a lot of different things. Your zip code, your economic level, your educational level, your race. All of these are factors in terms of how they, how information is shared with you through the internet. Once these factors are determined, then the body of information that's provided to you has to form within those, has to, is going to be filtered within those formats. And that is the information that is available to you. Now, example of this is, is, is if you wanted to do a, a personal study yourself, what you want to do is you want to, let's take Netflix for, for instance. What will Netflix look like in Kentucky, rural Kentucky, for a male or female, opposite of you in race, same in age. So we're going to talk about the same age, um, the same, same age, uh, Similar, not, I'm not going to say similar professions, similar interests, but let's just say same age, right? Same age, we're just going to change. So we're going to say same age, um, same generation, um, but we're going to change uh, race, we're going to change uh, um, job description, we're going to change, you know, uh, the socioeconomic uh, uh, description of that household, and then we're going to enter Netflix. When we enter Netflix, the movies that are available to that person that they say is, is uh, that they say it's uh, um, 98% you're, uh, the best match for you to watch are going to be very different from the one person from one part of the world or one part of the country versus the other person in other part of the country. Now that makes sense, you know, because you, you know, they want to tailor and market what's available to you. But I'm finding that when I watch Netflix now, I'm getting bored with it. I'm getting so bored with it that because I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over again. And so I'm like, you know, like this is the same. This I'm already gonna, I'm, I already know the story. This is what's gonna happen. <laughs> I can predict it. They're gonna do this. They're gonna get that. They're gonna do that. And I watched the movie and said it's the same thing. Every now and then I get an indie film. I get an international film. I get something that they can't label and, and, and feed through an algorithm. It's like a chance film. And it blows my mind in terms of the quality of the film and the writership. And I'm saying, wow, this is what I'm looking for. And you can see Netflix is really trying to push the envelope with creating those, those spaces on their platform because the algorithm is beginning to limit people's interest in that platform. Let's go to Google search. If you use Google search regularly, which most people do every day, and as you go on, you go on, the algorithm gets a little tighter, a little more constricted, little more narrower and then all of a sudden you start to look for things and it starts to give you what you want so you can put a question in there it gives you what they think you want to know like I, I you know like if i'm asking you listen i have a, i have a skin disorder and i want to know um a natural remedy in terms of how to reserve this now because i go into it, it naturally then it starts to to shape google sites that give me natural remedies 
And then you go through enough of them and it starts to be the same thing. But then you got to purposely say, okay, this is all speaking to uh, natural remedies. But like, there's, there's got to be some uh, another another um, alternative view about this natural remedy to this 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 illness. Like this got it. This can be all you know helpful, and this is going to work, and this is going to be positive and productive. Wait, what, what's the alternative view here? What do I need to know on the other side of this? Or where does where does medicine play its part in this? Where are both sides of the story in this around this illness? And it's crazy because you know I, you know, and I'll tell you the personal example. So. <laughs> You know, I kept looking for the internet because I had some sort of, I had a skin disorder and I'm like, you know, why, you know, I, you know, they're trying to be all, all telling me all these things to do. They say, you know, use vinegar, you know, apple cider vinegar, use apple cider vinegar, you know, dilute that with a little water. They, you know, they say use tea tree oil, use tea tree oil, you know, you know, you just wash my hair with that and try that and didn't work. And, you know, I mean, work temporarily a little bit, you know, you know, smell terrible and. Went through the process, you know. I said, "All right, let me try something else." And I tried a, 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 I tried a, 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 a tea tree oil, and, and then uh, um, uh, olive oil, and tried. Uh, don't use mineral oil because that'll do this to your don't use this to your skin, and don't use that to clog your skin. Okay, don't want to use that. Try uh, you get some aloe vera, you know, get some aloe vera in a bottle and squirt it in your hand, and mix it with. You know, put that, okay, tried that, and it didn't work. I mean, it worked a little bit. I said, all right, okay, try some castor oil. Castor oil's good for you, you know, make your hair grow, all kind of things. Yeah, you know, heal your skin. Everybody uses it, you know. Remedy, okay, use that too, all right, good. Oh, you know, uh, uh, take uh, garlic, uh, you know, eat garlic and and absorb that, and that is antibiotic, and it kills all everything inside you, and that'll take care of externally your skin too. Oh, matter of fact, just break up the garlic and put a little water in it and a little oil and put that in your skin, you know? One time I went to the gym and smelled like apple cider vinegar, I cleared the gym. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Every time I went into the internet, this is what it was feeding me. Then I go to the doctor finally. And I say to the doctor, listen, I'm having these issues with my skin, you know, this is this, these are the symptoms, you know, um, and I, this is what I'm using. I'm gonna do it. And this, I've been using this, and I'm using that. And the doc looks at me sideways and says, um, "Well, I don't know about all that natural stuff." But what I do know is that's not normal. What I do know is that you got an infection. So what I'm gonna do is I'm, I'm just gonna subscribe this for you. You take that for five days, and, and when it goes away, then you don't have to use it anymore. Took that for five days, went away. Now I'm, I'm outside of that. Three weeks, I have no issues with that problem. But for three years, I've been doing apple cider vinegar. <laughs> because when I went to the internet, my search gave me that kind of information. It didn't give me any alternative views. Then when I get the, the subscription and I go online and look up that subscription, which the, changes the direction of my interest on, on, on the Google search, it's supporting what the doctor said. Now, ain't this a bitch? I wasted a lot of time because of the body inf body of information that was censored for my use. It took me way off track in terms of what I thought I needed to do. And I believed, I was a believer, blind faith in what I was reading, blind faith, and that these people were the authority in terms of what I needed to know to treat my own ailment.
because I needed it instantly. I didn't want to go through the process of sitting in the waiting room and waiting for the doctor. I just wanted to go online, just put it in. I don't want to go to the public library. I don't want to read a text. I don't want to read a medical journal. I don't want to read any of that. I just want to go. What, how do you solve this? Okay, this is what you say. I'm going to do that. Look how much trust I put in that system that caused me an extended amount of time of suffering. Three weeks, I'm out of that. And I'm doing fine. We're in a new age. And in this new age of information and censorship, so I already know that censor that the internet is being censored based on your preferences and the way you use it. We understand that. We know that that censorship is limiting and putting constraints on inf the body of information that we have and our ability to learn new things. But we also have to understand that the evolution is not going to be stopped. It's going to happen. But I want you to understand that the evolution is now new age. The evolution doesn't look like newsprint. It doesn't look like newspapers. The evolution that we're engaged in now looks like individuals that are either influenced by themselves or influenced by larger entities like corporations and government. And these individuals are creating new spaces for information. You might know them as bloggers, podcasters, citizen journalists, and netizens. If you don't know what a blogger is, a blogger is somebody who regularly writes materials for a blog. It's a website or webpage written in an informal or conversational style. A netizen is a user of the internet, especially a habitual or avid one. A citizen journalist is someone who collects a body of information, puts it together like a collage of dissemination, pushes it out as an analysis of their perspective on the news to the general public through the internet. And a podcaster is someone like myself who uses the internet to make a digital recording. All of these are becoming the new ways that people are getting information. So if you're not up on it, you better get up on it. If you're not listening to the podcast, you better get up on it. Because this is the way information is coming across. It's like we're going back into the, the, the old becomes the new. Because we're talking about like, you know, back in the days when people just listened to radios. They heard the basketball game and the baseball game and all kind of forms on the radio. They heard even stories on the radio, crime thrillers on the radio. Everything was, was through spoken word. We're going back to that. Because people are not trusting what they're seeing. They want to hear something different. There's a starvation out there for, for alternative views. People want to connect to things that they've been feeling. Things that they've been questioning. Things that feel real for them. Things that are authentic. And that's why there's this new age growth of digital media. But you have to understand that when you, when you, when you, when you take in this digital media, you have to become the censor of how you want to hear information and what information is available to you. You have to censor it. You have to get in alignment with your values, how you grew up, what's important to you, what you think you should know versus what you don't know. The government is pushing a lot of agendas in terms of you know, identity, um, uh, religion, uh, all kinds of things are coming across government, uh, the government table into your mouth that's trying to force feed you. And we see these through uh, commercials that we see on television with between uh, shows, you know, the, the agendas that they're pushing is soft agendas, but you have to pay attention to them because they are agendas. You have to be clear about the values that you that you have or that you hold in your household and your family. 
and you have to begin to create the filters of how with what bodies of information you're fed. You are what you eat. And I'm not talking about literally eat. I'm talking about what you put in your mind. So, you know, if, I, if, we, if we're constantly on Instagram and we're looking at the, the models and we're looking at all the perfection that on Instagram, we're going to have some self-esteem issues because that body of information is, is we're comparing ourselves to. And when we look at, you know, the perfections versus our imperfections, and we all know it's an illusion, but after a while you forget it's an illusion, it starts to mess with you. And that's why we got these mental, mental health issues happening today. So we have to censor what we want to hear. We have to do it on purpose. Now, we have to say to ourselves that I'm not interested in everything, but I know I need to hear certain things to have a balanced perspective on how the world works. I'm not interested in everything, but I got to hear certain things to have a balanced perspective. So if I'm going to hear one thing, if I'm going to hear sex, 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 then eventually what comes out of my mouth and my thoughts is going to be driven by sex. So we are what we eat. Your intake is what you have as an outtake. We have to be very strategic in the way we communicate. It is very important that the narratives that are being shared with us, we have to begin to control our own narratives. People can't control a narrative. People can't put you in algorithms. You can't allow yourself to be put in algorithms so that people can define and, and, and make you something that you're not because what's happening is we're evolving individuals. Humans are the most complex people on in this planet. That's why we're the rulers of the earth and not animals, right? Because of our evolution from where we were to where we are now, algorithms can capture us at a moment, but the problem with algorithms is that they, is they trap us in the moment. But what I was at 10 versus what I am at 20 versus what I am at 30, I'm, I'm a very different guy. And my interests, my interests are different. I have to be allowed to change. But if the food for thought is keeping me at 10 years old, I'm always going to be at 10. What's going to allow me to be 20? What's going to allow me to be 30? How am I being strategic about opening the doors of information? Am I allowing the explicit, implicit, and cultural conversations to define me, or how am I influencing the explicit, explicit, and cultural conversations so that I'm creating attention on what's trying, what's, what's trying to uh, define me? How am I putting back in? How am I pushing back? What am I saying back? Well, we know that that's being done with the new age media, the digital media, through those bloggers and podcasters and netizens and the citizen journalists, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest ways that it's happening. But if you're not engaged in those activities, how are you as an individual pushing back on the information that you receive through your cable networks, through the radio, through any visual formulas and marketing, internet usage, how are you pushing back against the narratives that are trying to define us and put us in, and put us in, uh, uh, um, in buckets or put us in, in, in cubes or, or, or contained, constrained spaces. How are we allowing ourselves to become flexible, lifelong learners, independent of others' determination or narrative of, of what they think we are? Now, no one likes to be told or no one likes to for someone else to say, this is what you are. How can you from the outside of me tell me what I am? You don't know what I feel. 
what my tragedies were, what my successes were, what drives me, what stimulates me, what's my power, what are my internal strengths? You don't know. So why would I let somebody from the outside determine what I'm about? Why am I not, why am I allowing the censorship to limit my purpose? Why am I allowing censorship to limit my potential? Why am I allowing censorship to limit my knowledge base? Why am I allowing censorship to limit my maturity? Why am I allowing censorship to limit the way I engage relationships? Why am I allowing censorships to confuse my identity? Why am I allowing censorships to give me value in this community? Why am I allowing censorship to drive my mental health? We have to be intentional about our purpose when we use materials like the internet, when we use social media platforms. What are you doing? Why are we blindly going through pictures and pages of information that's beginning to create a narrative for us, or brainwashing to us, or brainwash us in a narrative that they want us to live? How are you purposefully going into those social platforms, use of the internet to get alternative views, to keep challenging what you believe, to keep challenging your truths? Because it's easy to validate your truths, easy to get yes. We could all sit in the room and we get yes, man, yes. You think that's a good idea? Yes. You think that? Yes. You think? Yes. 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 Some people like that. But I'm about that business. I need you to tell me no. I need you to push me. I need you to say, hey, this is why I think, man. I think, you know, we got to think about this. I think if we do this, we're going to come up short there. We Listen, let's talk, man. Give me the real deal. Let's have authentic conversations. Tell me what I need to do here. Because we make the best decisions when we got diversified thinking in the room. I don't want all one way of thinking. One approach. I don't want you to guess what or, 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 or to predict and put in front of me what you think I want. Let me struggle, constantly struggle with my identity and my purpose on earth. That's called life. When we look at the media and we receive information, we have to understand that there's profiling happening. When men watch basketball, what's the profiling happening on those commercials? When women are watching uh, movies on uh, 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 Lifetime or, or movies that are dealing with, uh, uh, you know, uh, relationships and, and, and series on, 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 um, on soap operas and, and all these kind of things. What's going on between those commercials? What's the subliminal messages happening? What's, where's the yellow journalism? What's keeping me engaged in that material? And then the next one and the next one. Why are we getting to a place of addiction where we can binge watch and lose an entire day of productivity outside of our homes and business because we're steady watching television and living in the narratives of others because we want that to be our truth it's escapism understood 
but we're spending a lot of time involved with that. We have to intentionally use alternative search engines. Google's not the only man in town. There are other search engines that protect your privacy and allow you to, and allow you to engage the internet freely. And so that you can get new information and you can see that there's other viewpoints out there. And that when you search the internet under a topic, there are multiple perspectives when they don't profile you. Or there's no algorithm that's captured who you are. One of them is DuckDuckGo. Or if you want to stay within Google because you feel comfortable with it, you have to go on and you have to purposely adjust your settings. Now you can always ask the question, how do I adjust my privacy setting? I don't want you tracking me. And they'll show you how to do that. And you go in and you can click and you can alter the settings so that you get more honest searches when you go into the Google search engine. However, you're still using their platform, so therefore they're still tracking you. And I want to say that no one is free from tracking on the internet. There are billions of users on the internet. And 10% of them come from the U.S. And 22% of those users of the internet are in China. But there are 2 million internet police watching everybody's transactions. So no one is using the internet without some sort of supervision or big brother. So I need you to know that. However, at least we can make the search engine more honest in the information we provided based on an open-ended question. Profiling, if profiling doesn't work for police pullovers, for stop and frisk, in discrimination cases, what someone looks like, the disability, you know, gender, if those, if it's, if, if those are unacceptable, then it should be unacceptable on the internet. Because they become biases, explicit and implicit, and they limit our ability to get alternative information. We have to, we have to, in our intentional search, the recognition of profiling, using alternative search engines, adjusting the Google settings, we have, we then begin to control our entry into the internet. We have to control our entry into the internet to get honest feedback that gives alternative views, open our thinking, and remind us that we're global citizens and we don't exist in a zip code. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. Once again, my name is Sharif Rucker. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor by commenting, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with everyone you know. All of these things are free and take very little effort, but would mean the world to me. Thanks again and stay tuned.